Now through February 2nd, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mother of very fussy triplets and one very colicky husband. Especially you, Supermom. You'll release endorphins and have more energy. Uh, I remember having energy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends February 2nd. See club for details. Now through February 2nd, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mother of very fussy triplets and one very colicky husband. Especially you, Supermom. You'll release endorphins and have more energy. Uh, I remember having energy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends February 2nd. See club for details. Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the Kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Hey, Kingdom Community, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for session two of the Soteria School. We're going to be talking about access denied, how we can shut the door on the enemy so he has no access in our lives. You know, the Bible says, give no place to the devil in Ephesians chapter four. We can submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and we have the promise that he will flee from us. So this training is going to be powerful, not only ministering to you in terms of your own personal freedom, so you live in the fullness of your salvation. Remember the word soteria or soteria, one of the most profound definitions of that word, it's the Greek word for salvation, the word used in the New Testament, it actually means freedom from the harassment of an enemy. So it's very, very powerful. Sozo, heal, deliver, you know, forgive, rescue, set free. Uh, that's, that's the derivative of the word soteria, the verb form. So very, very powerful, guys. We're gonna be talking about that tonight, how to walk in freedom. And our facilitator, for this session is Pastor James Park. He pastors at Wilmot Center in um, the Waterloo, Kitchener, Waterloo area in Ontario, Canada. James is going to be sharing. He's part of the leadership team of Kingdom Community as well. And uh, he just did an incredible job this morning. He really smashed it. It was it was powerful. He crushed it, James. You crushed it. So welcome. And uh, go ahead, James. Just just go ahead and share. We're so glad that you're with us, uh, bringing the word of the Lord. Thank you so much. And uh, good evening, good morning, wherever you are um, tuning in from. Uh, like, uh, like Apostle Glenn said, my name is James Park, and I am in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, where it is minus 14 degrees Celsius, 7 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, we've got a few feet of snow, and so the struggle is real, folks. It's uh, it's quite chilly here in Canada, but uh, wherever you guys are at, um, yeah, just welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, yes, yeah, so I I serve as a teaching pastor at a church called Wilmot Center Church, 
Uh, I am also a part of a ministry called E3 Partners Canada, and I serve as a church planting mobilizer with E3. Um, part of my role is to uh, travel to different churches across the body of Christ and to bring uh, evangelism training. So it's equipping the saints to uh, evangelize God's world and to establish healthy, reproducing, multiplying, disciple-making churches. And so that's what I'm about. That's my passion. And, um, and I'm also a part of the Kingdom Community team um, with uh, Apostle Glenn. And uh, yeah, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this team. Um, I was with Glenn in the Philippines a few years ago in uh, Palawan. It was like paradise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just seeing God do such an um, amazing things there. And uh, yeah, so it's just great to be a part of this team. Um, this session that we are going to be uh, talking about today is really important for those of you who may need deliverance ministry. Maybe you've been struggling with, um, you know, feeling oppressed or you've got some sort of spiritual attacks that happen frequently or, or you're caught in some sort of a cycle. Um, it's it definitely it's important for you, but it's also important for those of you who you know of people within your sphere of influence who are going through some real struggles and uh, maybe you're not exactly sure how to minister to them. This session is going to be very important for you. Um, because, you know, over the years in ministry, what I've come to realize is that, you know, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ who struggle with um, demonic attacks, spiritual attacks, getting stuck in patterns of sin. Um, you know, having demonic influence, there's an open door in their lives and they just don't know how it got there. They don't know how to close the door of the enemy. They just feel defeated, spiritually dead, spiritually dry. I've seen this over and over again, but what I've also witnessed is those in the body of Christ who've undergone some ministry, some of what we're going to be going through tonight. And I've seen them on the other side of their deliverance ministry, where they experience a brand new freedom, where they experience a spiritual vitality. There's a renewed passion for Jesus and uh, compassion for the lost and the broken and those who are oppressed by the enemy. And I've seen people, you know, after receiving deliverance ministry, um, having the tools um, to then minister to somebody else in their sphere of influence. And so this is a very important topic because as Christians, we need to understand that we have an enemy and that he will attack at any cost, um, but we have the victory. We also need to know that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Jesus has all the authority over all the power of the enemy. And we have access to his authority because we are in Christ Jesus. And so that's what this session is all about. And so the first thing that we're going to talk about uh, today is renouncing. Okay, so renouncing. If you have your notes there, you can follow along. There's going to be some fill in the blanks for you. All right. And so to renounce means to disown or to put aside. Okay, so those are fill in the blanks there, right? To renounce means to disown or to put aside. Now, if you think about it, what happens when you disown somebody? When a person is disowned or cut off, what happens, right? That person is cut off. He is cut off. He has no contact, no rights, and has no more ability to influence. 
right? And so those are fill in the blanks there. He, a, a person that's disowned is cut off, no contacts, no rights, and no more ability to influence. We need to disown the devil. We need to let him know that he has no more right to influence us. Because here's the thing, it's not enough to just pray a prayer to receive Jesus and everything just is fine and dandy after that. How many of you know that that's not the Christian life, right? I mean, that's when the battle begins, right? It's not enough to say, hey, I'm a Christian now, because the enemy is constantly at work trying to pull us back into his kingdom, into the kingdom of darkness with habits, thought patterns, and temptations. That's a fill in the blank there, right? James chapter 1, verse 14 to 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And so this passage in the book of James is, is showing us a progression of what happens from the, the early stages of temptation all the way through to this experience of death or spiritual dryness and death, right? And so the next thing we're going to look at are the seven stages of temptation. Again, this is very important for us to know. The first stage of temptation is the look, okay? So that's a fill in the blank there, the look. It starts with a look, or something that catches your attention. It's a distraction from the path that you are to walk on, the path that God has for you, the will of God for your life. You're walking down this path and all of a sudden something catches your attention and it's a distraction. And so the first stage of temptation is the look, you know, this form of distraction. The next stage, number two, is the lust. Now, every temptation reveals a desire that is hidden in your heart, right? You may not have known it was there, but suddenly after the look, there is this desire for that thing, that very thing that brought about that temptation, right? And so the second stage is the lust. The third stage is the lure, right? The lure or the enticement. What begins to happen as you, as you pay more attention to that thing that is, you know, you know, that desire that's now captivated you, once you entertain it more and more, it, it enlarges your desire and it influences your thoughts and your actions. And then you suddenly stop considering the consequences of giving into this temptation, right? It's like, oh, it's not a big deal, right? You suddenly forget about the consequences or you, you ignore it altogether. And so the next step, stage four, is the conception. This is when a decision is made to fulfill the desire to sin, a conscious decision is made. Yes, I'm going to give in, right? After that, stage five is the birth. That's, that's when sin begins to um, grow, right? The protection of self-restraint is thrown off and sin is realized, right? And that sin begins to develop a pattern in our lives. And so that's stage six. It's the growth, Right? Sin begins to grow and puts us into patterns of habitual sin, cycles of sin, like you're caught in a hamster wheel and you're stuck. You don't know how to get out. You're just running in a hamster wheel, round, 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 and you're stuck, right? And then the last stage, stage seven, is the death, the death. That's when experience of spiritual dryness, the experience of a wilderness, the, the experience of defeat 
becomes the normal pattern for your life. And so it's really important for us to know these stages of temptation so that when we recognize that the first stage of temptation is happening, like something catches your attention, oh, you know that, oh, I know where this is going to lead. I need to stop right now. I know that this is not a good direction to go and you can cut it off right, right then and there, right? It's important for us to know. And here's the thing. It's important for us to know this because this principle is the same for everyone, whether you have been in ministry for many decades, whether you're a high profile Christian leader, or you're a brand new believer in the Lord, this principle is the same for every single person. Anyone can fall into this pattern if we're not careful. And so this is very important for us to know. That's why this teaching is very crucial, right? Colossians chapter one, verse 13 For he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is talking about what happens when somebody becomes a child of God. We've been completely delivered, you know, transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. But here's the thing. Many Christians today, for whatever reason or another, They have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of darkness. It's like they're trying to trying to see if they can sit on the fence. And, you know, that really isn't the the most wisest way to live. Right. Because that's that's called being a sitting duck and being a target for the enemy. Right. God hates mixture. Right. God doesn't want us to mix. And we see evidence of this throughout the scriptures. In Leviticus 19, for instance, there's uh, some, some unique teachings on the mixing, the mixing of things. For instance, um, God says in Leviticus 19, 19, not to mix two different kinds of cattle, like crossbreeding cattle. Don't do that, right? When you're planting a seed in a field, don't plant two different types of seed. When you're, um, you know, making a garment, don't use two different types of fabric, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, God talks about don't be yoked with unbelievers, right? Don't mix believer and unbeliever. Why? Because this is, this is something that God is wanting us to know about the two kingdoms. Like This is symbolic of not mixing the two kingdoms together, right? What does light have to do with darkness? God does not want us to live mixed up. And so we should be about the kingdom of light only and not the kingdom of darkness. That's the goal of this session in the Soteria school for us to be able to say, I am going to walk totally with God and remove any mixture from my life. Colossians 3 verses 5 to 11. This is from the message translation. I really like it, actually. This is what it says. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you you feel like, like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. 
bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes. You stripped off and put it in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. You know, when I, th- when I read this passage, what I think of right away is Lazarus. The story of Lazarus, when he was in the tomb, he was dead four days. I mean, it, he should have been stinky, right? I mean, he, <laughs> the disciples, they, they even say it when Jesus is like, hey, uh, remove the stone. Let's, you know, Lazarus needs to come out. And they're like, oh, by this time he stinketh. I think that's the King James Version. He stinketh, Lord, right? I mean, he was dead. But then Jesus raises him to life. He comes out of the tomb. And could you imagine the look on the people's faces? They were like, this is a miracle. Lazarus comes out, but he's still wrapped in his grave clothes. And so Jesus, Jesus commands the people to, say, uh, to unbind him, unbind the grave clothes. But here's the thing. A lot of Christians today, we've been raised to new life in Christ. We become new creations. The old has passed away. The new has come, right? But we're still wearing some grave clothes. There's still things from our past, still things that reek of death that are a part of the pattern of our lives. And we need to get rid of those things. We need to say, you know, God, no matter how small I may think this is, um, if if it's not good with you, I'm going to throw it out because I want to live a life pleasing to you. No matter what it is, I I want it gone, right? That's got to be the posture of our hearts. And so the next thing we're going to look at is the principle of disclosure and renunciation. All right. The principle of disclosure and renunciation. So disclosing and renouncing is a principle that was practiced in the early church. In the book of Acts, we see an example of this. Acts chapter 19, verses 18 to 20. This is such a powerful, powerful passage. Many also of those who had believed kept coming. They kept coming to Jesus, right? And what were they doing? They confessing. They were confessing and disclosing their practices. Many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of all. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Isn't that amazing? These folks who were engaged in witchcraft, um, you know, all these false practices, they discovered a greater treasure in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that they got rid of their books that were worth 50,000 pieces of silver. In today's spot price, that's an astronomical amount of money. And I'm sure at that point it was as well. They found a greater treasure, right? And so they realized this is rubbish. I've got to get rid of it, right? And so this was a practice that was a part of the early church. But here's the thing, in the modern church today, this is seldom talked about. I mean, I'm being very general here. I know there are, you know, churches that, that definitely, they, there's talk of repentance and confessing our sins, absolutely. But so I'm being general here, but I know that there are many in the body of Christ today This is not a topic that is talked about that often. But here's the thing. If there's something that God is wanting us to really know in this season right now that we've been going through for the last two years, 
The entire global church has been going through a two-year season. If we're learning anything in this season, you know, through the pandemic, it's this, it's repentance. God is calling us to turn from the things that we used to have comfort in, that we used to have our hope in, that was apart from him and coming back to him. This is a huge calling back, right? It's a time for repentance to be uh, talked about again in the church. And again, coming back to this practice of disclosure and renunciation, right? This isn't about condemnation. This is about course correction in the body of Christ. Because God doesn't want us to stay stuck in our brokenness. Amen? He doesn't want us to stay stuck. So there are three words in this passage in Acts chapter 19 that represent three steps that are critical to obtaining freedom in our lives that God wants us to have, right? And so the first step is coming, all right? Coming, there's a fill in the blank there. The believers kept coming to the church. They kept coming to the Lord. And that's what you've done. You're here. You've logged on. You've been a, you're, you are now a part of this session. You're coming to the Lord. You're saying, God, I want all that you have for me. I want freedom. I want to encounter you. You're making yourself available to God. You're pressing in towards him. And that's the first step towards your freedom, coming to the Lord. Second step is confessing, okay? Confessing. Confessing begins with a changed mind. Now, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 is like the classic, the classic repentance story, okay? So the son, many of you, perhaps you know this story very well. He asks his father for his inheritance early before he passes away, which is another way of saying, dad, you're good as dead to me. Give me my money. I want to just go and I don't want any part of you. Um, Hook me up. I'm out of here. So he gets his money. He blows it completely on wasteful living, you know, and squanders it all. and 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 he's left with nothing. And he realizes that, oh, man, he went the wrong way. And in verse 17 of Luke chapter 15, it says, he came to himself, right? There was this moment of a changed mind. I went the wrong way. Because he said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough bread? But, but I'm here, I'm perishing here, right? And so confessing begins with this changed mind, right? It isn't just about, you know, being sorry. It's about having a grief towards what I have done, knowing that this was the wrong way, right? Second Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, for godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation. Godly grief is a heartfelt sorry and an aversion, aversion towards sin itself. And here's the promise that we have from scripture. This is the grace of God. This is the promise that we can take to the bank. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. I love this passage. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that an amazing promise? That's in the word of God. We could take that to the bank. If we confess our sins, God is faithful to not only forgive us of our sins, but to cleanse us of that unrighteousness. 
And so that's what the second step is. It's confessing our sin. And then thirdly, it's disclosure, disclosure, getting specific with the practices that we've been, you know, that we've had in our lives, whatever it might be. Now, here's a picture that I want to show you. Okay. So a person who is um, not in Christ, right? The, the, the enemy has a grip on their lives, like a five finger grip on their lives, right? When a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they surrender their lives to him, the enemy's grip loosens. It's almost like the thumb of the enemy gets chopped off. He's got four fingers left. So he's got a bit of a grip. And then when that person confesses their sin, you know, recognizes that, yes, I agree, I, I, I made a mistake here, right? There's a changing change of mind, right? The devil loses two more fingers. And so he's left with these two stubs. He's trying to hold on, trying to hold on. And then there's a disclosure of sin to someone else. You disclose sin, you know, what you've gone through or what you did to somebody else. You know, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, right? And so when we do this, when we confess to one another, the devil's last remaining grip gets cut off and the grip is loosened and there's freedom, right? We're totally set free. I'm telling you, I have personally witnessed a number of individuals getting set free from pornography addiction because of these practices, like going through these steps. They were addicted. They were hopelessly stuck in a pattern of um, porn por pornography addiction. Um, some for decades, they had no idea how to get unstuck. But going through um, ministry like this, they were able to disclose it, you know, repent of it, confess their sin. And you know what? God cleansed them of their unrighteousness and they've been set free. And actually, I know one gentleman in my church, he leads other men towards freedom from pornography addiction. It's amazing to see that, right? This is for real folks. And so you may not have something like that. Maybe it's a little thing that you've tucked away, whatever it might be, it's hidden, it's pressed down. And you might say, you know, well, you know, I'm saved. I'm a follower of Jesus and I've got uh, the spirit of the Lord in me, but I just, I don't want to talk about that issue or I don't want to let anyone know about that. Right. It's not a big deal, whatever. I'll just hide it. But here's the thing, whatever, whatever that might be, that's a hook that the enemy can, can could latch onto to keep you stuck, to keep you in bondage. And so I just want to encourage you that freedom is possible. No matter how big or small that thing is, that's hidden freedom is possible. And this, these are the steps to get there. Uh, so the next thing we're going to talk about is breaking the power of evil covenants. Okay, so actually breaking the power of them. Ephesians 2, 1 to 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, right? 
God is the one that set us free. There was nothing that we could do about it. We were dead in our transgressions. God, because of his great love for us, made us alive in Christ. But the devil hates that, right? He used to be the ruler of the king. He used to be the ruler over our lives, right? But when we came to know Jesus Christ, when we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, the enemy hated that, right? He hates that he loses ownership over us and will try everything possible to have a foothold again in our lives. And Satan will be able to do that in the life of a believer who gives him permission, either verbally, you know, just by saying something, right? I'm, I'm actually learning to be very careful what I say. You know, that's why the lies of the enemy, we need to be able to catch them and be careful what we say, because even the words that we say can be a hook that the enemy can use to get access into our lives again. And so when, when a person gives them permission through verbal, you know, verbally through words or through attitudes and actions, um, that's how he's going to try to get an open door into our lives. Now through February 2nd, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mother of very fussy triplets, and one very colicky husband. Especially you, Supermom. You'll release endorphins and have more energy. Uh, I remember having energy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends February 2nd. See club for details. Check out this principle in Matthew chapter 12, 43 to 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, you know what? I'm going to return to that house, which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Let that sink in for a minute, right? And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. This is reality in the spiritual realm, folks, right? We are in battle. We need to be vigilant. We need to be aware. But the good news is all the power and authority of the devil has been broken by Jesus Christ, right? But whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, we give access to the enemy, and so we need to shut those access points out, all right? And so the next thing we're going to talk about are doorways, these access points. How does, how does the enemy get them? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, we learn that God created the earth and all that is in it. We see a progression, how it was ordered, right, through the, the, the six days of creation and so on and so forth. He made the earth and all that is in it, and he created principles that govern his creation, right? And God loves his creation. And so he revealed to us through his scripture how we should live and how we should behave in order to prosper spirit, soul, and body. God put laws and principles and precepts in motion to govern the natural realm and the supernatural realm. And the Bible talks about this over and over again. If you depart from those ways, the ways that God 
ordered things, if we depart from those ways, there's consequences, right? Deuteronomy chapter 28 is all about that, that whole chapter. These are the blessings. Listen, if you just obey what I command you to do, you will be blessed. There will be protection. There will be blessing. But if not, Dude, you're going to go into destruction. There's going to be curses upon your life. This is for real, right? You know, because if we follow in the ways of God, we come under his protection from the attacks of the enemy. Job talks about this in Job chapter 1, verse 10. It's talking about the hedge that was around him and his house and all that he has. Have you ever prayed that prayer for God to put a hedge of protection around somebody and wondered, where did we get that prayer? The whole body of Christ prays that prayer. It's from here, from Job chapter 1, verse 10. Why? Because it's real. It's a real thing. God has a hedge of protection for those who are, you know, are set to do things God's way. There's, a, there's protection. But here's the thing. Sin creates a break in the hedge. And that's a fill in the blank, right? Sin creates a break in the hedge or a breach in the hedge through which the serpent, the devil, the enemy can come in and harass us and even our families, even our families. I shared this story with, um, with, the, with the group this morning how um, my daughter, um, she had night terror. She would wake up in the middle of the night. This was happening almost every night. And uh, we had no idea what was going on. It was kind of scary. She'd wake up and, and start crying, <laughs> like panting, heavy breathing. We're like, what's going on? And we'd go in, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's not awake. She's in a kind of a half wake, half dreams uh kind of zone there and it's look it's as if she's seeing something her eyes are open she's like ah, pointing at something we're like what we don't see anything and this terrified us like i guess as young parents i was like what's going on well it wasn't long after that a prophetic uh, minister friend of mine from israel he had visited me in kitchener waterloo uh he had come and he walked in our daughter's room and there were like we have so many kids books like literally hundreds of books. And somehow the Holy Spirit guided him to pick out one book. And it was simple. It was a simple book called Each Peach, Pear, Plum. There's nothing demonic about that. Each Peach, Pear, Pear Plum. Like there's nothing spiritual about it on the cover. Nothing, right? And so he picks it out and he looks through it. And sure enough, on, on the third page, there's a picture of a witch. And um, he's like, hey, did you know that you had this book? And at the, at the time, I'm like, it's not a big deal. What, what, what's, what's the big deal with that? But you know what? In that moment, I was more impressed, actually, that the Holy Spirit led him to pick out of the hundreds of books, each peach, pear, plum, and show me that. And I was like, okay, Lord, you're showing me something. We're getting rid of that book, right? And you know what? The night terror stopped. It's amazing. I mean, right? Again, sometimes we know, sometimes we don't know when the hedge is being breached but we need to be aware folks this is for real right doorways created by sin give satan legal ground to exert his power in our lives christians are only protected when abiding under the laws and principles of god yet may find themselves unprotected once a doorway of sin is opened, whether it's through conscious participation, that's one of the fill in the blanks, uh, conscious participation in sin, or through ignorance, 
I remember, you know, as a, when I was pastoring this church uh, in Waterloo a number of years ago, uh, there was a family that went to um, a country. I won't name the country, um, but they brought back some artifacts. It was a souvenir from where they went and it had some, you know, spiritual ties to it. They had no idea. You know, they were totally ignorant to this, um, but they were being attacked spiritually, harassed by the enemy, whether it was through nightmares at night or just having these like weird things happening in their lives, um, unexplained phenomenon, right? Attacks from the enemy. And the Holy Spirit actually brought it to attention. It wasn't me, the pastor or anyone else. The Holy Spirit brought it to their attention. Hey, remember that article of uh, that artifact you brought back from, from your trip to that country? And they're like, oh, um, Holy Spirit revealed it to them and they got rid of it, right? We need to be very careful, even through our, you know, just being ignorant to it, right? Because this is, uh, this is a battle that's real, whether we know it or not. Romans 6, 15 to 16. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, right? Christians must live lives of holiness to maintain a healthy hedge about our lives, even when it seems like it's not a big deal. It's just a cartoon character of a witch. It's enough to give the devil an access point into your life. Get rid of it. It's not worth the struggle. It's not worth it. So the next thing is uh, we're going to look at are the four categories of the works of the flesh. All right. The four categories of the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are sins that can open the door to the enemy. Now, what are the works of the flesh? They're sin habits that have become, um, oh, they become habits and we, we become accustomed to them over time, right? They become a pattern of sin that we keep struggling with over and over. And the first category is sexual immorality. And this is a big one, folks. This is a big one in the body of Christ, right? Here's the thing. Our sexuality is supposed to be beautiful. God created it for a, a reason, right? And the analogy that I want to give you is like a beautiful river, right? Our sexuality is like a beautiful river. When that river is flowing within its banks, as it should be, within the boundaries of the banks, like actually there's a picture, uh, April Lindsay, your picture the, behind you there, that's a beautiful river behind you there, right? When the river is within the banks, it's, it's breathtaking, it's beautiful, it's, it's awesome. But if the water floods and goes over the banks, it goes beyond the confines of the boundary, it is destructive, it causes floods. It causes problems, right? That's like our sexuality. How different would things be if our sexuality was reserved in the confines of marriage between one man and one woman? If it was in the context of what God originally designed it to be, like a beautiful river within its banks, there would be no adultery. There would be no fornication. 
There would be no child sex trafficking, sex abuse, sex trade, sex slavery, no rape, no STDs, AIDS, no prostitution, no red light district. This world would be a different world if we could just keep within the confines of how God you know, originally designed it to be, right? Jesus calls us to a purity of heart, mind, and body. Leviticus 20 verse 7 says, be holy because I am the Lord your God, right? Psalm 101 verse 3, I will set before my eyes no vile thing, right? This is so important for us, church. This is so important for us, right? And so that's the first category, sexual immorality. The second um, category of the flesh is occult practices, things that affect the spirit. The word occult means hidden. Did you know that? It means hidden. Some of us might think, how could anyone be a part of the church of Satan or Wicca? How could anyone do that? We, we would think that, right? How could anyone do that? That's an blatantly obvious thing. But did you know Satanism and Wicca are, are, are among the fastest growing religious movements in, in, the North, in North America? It's, it's astonishing. It's on university campus all across our country in Canada. Like it's a real deal, right? It's because the consequences of being a part of something like that are hidden. And so people have no clue. Right. And that's those are extreme, extreme cases. How about some of the more um, not so obvious things like idolatry? Right. Whether it be through symbols, things that we wear, jewelry, clothing, whatever it might be, these little things that have spiritual ties that we may not realize or may think it's a big deal. That is a big deal as well. You know, sorcery, witchcraft, magic. Here's one that I've come to uh, realize uh, in our region. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but I come from in Kitchener-Waterloo. There's a high uh, number of Mennonites, right? If you don't know what a Mennonite is, they're kind of like the Amish. Um, they live like like it's 1500 still. <laughs> they live, you know, horse and buggy. They're farming communities. You know what I'm talking about? Um, they wear all black, right? They're very, very uh, strict in their practice. And um, this is a common practice in the Mennonites. Um, it's called water witching. And so in order to find a source of water in the ground, they, they'll, they'll hire a water witching expert who will come and they have some sort of a stick. And they do this practice where, you know, somehow the stick finds a, a source of water. And it's like, oh, I mean, if you think about it, it sounds new agey. It sounds like a spiritual tie, but it's, a, it's actually a very common practice. And I just did ministry on somebody in my church not long ago, just a few weeks ago, actually. He came into my office. He was having nightmares. He was seeing visions of like owls, like looking at him on his porch. And you know, I mean, it was disturbing things that happened. He would wake up in cold sweats in his house. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. I've been, you know, telling the devil to get lost and, you know, declaring Jesus name. He prayed around his house. Right. And then I asked him about, you know, is there any occult um, ties in your past? Is there anything at all? 
And he, he thought about it for a moment and water witching. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that happened on my property. And so he renounced it, broke that off. And um, I just got a text message from him today, actually saying he's a lot better. He's feeling a lot better. He hasn't been having those terrors and those cold sweats. And so again, this is real. Like the demonic realm is real, right? But what's even like, but the good news is we have victory in Jesus. Amen. And um, we can, we can experience freedom from all these things. Things like Ouija boards too. You know how common that is when I do ministry um, with Christians, how many have, you know, even just innocently as a kid, maybe um, had experience with the Ouija board. Well, something that was done when they were 10 years old, right? That spiritual tie, it stays with you. You could be 40, 50 and, you know, all, all those, all that time you've had oppression from the enemy, not knowing where's the tie, where was the breach? And it was a Ouija board experience when they were 10. And then they would, you know, um, renounce that, disclose that, and then experience freedom, right? This is a real thing, folks. The next, uh, Category is all things that divide, things that affect the soul, uh, emotions and, and your mind, things like hatred, um, having people, you know, have you ever had that uh, thing happen to you when you think of somebody who hurt you or said something very hurtful to you, but the thought of them, you, you get this high <clears throat> inside you. <clears throat> when you think of that person, even the mention of their name, you're like, Ugh, right, that high octane ping inside your spirit your soul, right? That, right? That becomes like a clog in your spirit. And then all of a sudden there's anger, wrath, jealousy, you know, accusation, rejection, all these things start to spew like a, like a wound, you know? And so that all those things become snares. They become uh, ways in which the enemy again could have a foothold in your life. And so we need to be able to confess those, to cleave those, to break those off whether it's pride, envy, gossip, bad attitudes, whatever it is, right? Those kinds of attitudes. That's um, the third category. And then lastly, self-indulgence, things that affect your soul, your will, your choices. This is things like addictions. This is things like drunkenness, lusting, you know, again, pornography, addiction, whatever it might be. It could be overeating, undereating, wild living of any kind, unwillingness to change, stubbornness, you know, all those things. That's the fourth category of the uh, category of the flesh. There is only one way to defeat the flesh. We must reckon it dead to Christ, right? The old has died. That's the sim. That's, that's what's happening in baptism. When we're, when we go under the water, we are dying to these things. That part of us is dead. And when we come out, it's a new life, right? We've been, we've become a new creation, right? But we need to reckon the flesh and all these things dead to Christ, like dead because we are in Christ, right? And so the next thing we're going to look at are the two levels of renunciation. Now that you've become a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's time to close those doorways to Satan once and for all, right? Saying, that's it. I'm closing this doorway. It's not going to affect me. And it's not going to affect the next generation, my kids and their kids. It stops here, right? We got to say that. And the first uh, level of renunciation is verbal, 
right? To disclose, to renounce. Again, Acts chapter 19, verse 18, when the church was coming and these new believers were coming to the Lord, they began to confess, they began to disclose and renounce their sin. And then the second level is to ceremonially get rid of whatever was holding them back, right? That's, again, Acts chapter 19, they were burning their books, um, the example that I showed you of that, you know, little children's book, getting rid of it, you know, whatever it, I, whatever it is, maybe the Lord will um, bring something to your mind that you had and you maybe you've hadn't thought of it in a while. Maybe it's, I don't know, like a book or a CD or maybe it's some sort of a weapon of unusual fast fashion. Um, maybe it's alcoholic beverages in your home. Maybe it's DVDs and videos that have, you know, horror or, or just bad images and um, sexual content, things like that, toys, whatever it is, magic, the, the, these t- types of things, um, getting rid of them. Right. And saying, you know, though that is a part of that's that's a part of me stripping off my my grave clothes. Like I don't need that anymore, right? Because my treasure is in Jesus. The, these things don't mean anything to me anymore. And so it's letting it go, getting rid of it, right? And so um, I want to now bring your attention to the personal spiritual profile uh, in the handout that you have there. Again, this is good for those of us. Um, you might be looking at that and be like, you know what? Yeah, there are some things in here that I need to check off in the box. You know, for instance, I come from a family line of Buddhists. My parents were both Buddhists from South Korea. Um, my So my parents' parents were also Buddhists. And so for me, there was a spiritual tie to Buddhism in my 20s. And uh, that had to be renounced, disclosed. Um, and so on. So I would have checked that box for sure, right? And I've gone through things like this numerous times. So maybe you might look through some of this and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, there's some involvement there. I need to check that, right? You might be looking at this and being like, you know what? I don't have that struggle, but I know my um, the previous generation, they did. Maybe the uh, in the parents' generation or, or even grandparents had ties to Freemasonry, uh, maybe they had ties to, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, I would encourage you to circle, right? If it's, maybe it's not you, but it's your, you know, again, your parents or your parents' parents had, you know, whatever tie to one of these things, circle it because you can renounce it and um, break it off of yourself. Any effect of that, that's a generational tie from, uh, you know, off of you, but also off of the next generation, your kids and their kids and so on. It stops with you, right? It doesn't go forward. And so we can do that. This is also going to be very helpful for you. um, If you're doing ministry with somebody, you know, at some point you're going to run into somebody that's like, I don't know why I'm just stuck. I keep having these nightmares. I keep having these things happen in my life. I can't explain it. Boom. You've got the tool. Now you've got what you've got this tool to be able to be used by God to set the captives free because that's what Jesus wants for them, right? And, he, and he's going to do that through you. And so this is a tool for that. I also want to uh, direct your attention to the, um, the special renunciations for any sort of um, satanic involvement, satanic ritual involvement. If there was any of that, again, in your life or in your 
you know, previous generations' lives, you can declare these things. You can renounce uh, the kingdom of darkness and declare the kingdom of light because words have power, church. Words have power. Speak it out, all right? And so we're going to take a moment and um, give you guys some time, a few minutes to go through the spiritual profile, check off anything that applies to you. And as you're doing that, um, I want to, uh, again, direct your attention now to the conclusion part. It's a prayer where it says, Father, I confess to you my involvement in fill in the blank, whatever it might be, right? I ask for your forgiveness for my sin in this area, and I renounce fill in the blank. I ask you to remove all demonic influence upon my life as a result of my actions and to cleanse me from my sins and close this doorway forever with the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you that in Christ I am forgiven, right? I want to encourage you to pray through this prayer and all those things that you've checked off and all the things that you've circled, whether if it was a generational tie, to pray through using this tool right? We're going to be all muted. So we're not going to hear everyone. I mean, typically this would be done in like, you know, groups, smaller groups where you can be able to disclose to one another, but in a platform like this, it's best that, you know, we'll just, we'll have everyone muted. Um, but just pray it out. Father, I confess to you any involvement in blah, blah, blah. And I also want to say this, there might be something that comes to your mind. That's not on this list, right? God, you know, the Holy spirit brings something to your mind. I want to encourage you, write it down. Don't leave with that in your back pocket, okay? Get rid of it. Let's just get rid of it and make sure it does not travel down the generational line. It stops with us tonight, all right? And so I want to encourage you with that. And so we'll give you a few minutes. I'm going to play some music um, just to um, help us kind of focus a little bit. And then, um, and then we'll have a time of prayer at the end as well. The last, uh, the last passage in the Confessing and, and Affirming Christ um, in our handouts, it's the last one, and this is what uh, Neil Anderson wrote. This is all based on the Word of God. This is declaring the truth of God's Word over our lives. It is not just the power of positive thinking. This is declaring the truth of God's Word um, over our lives. And so I believe that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28, 18, and that he is the head over all rule and authority, Colossians 2, 10. I believe that Satan and his demons are subject to me in Christ, since I am a member of Christ's body. That's from the word of God, Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. Therefore, I obey the command to submit to God and to resist the devil, James 4, 7. And what, what does the Bible uh, promise? If we do that, he will flee, right? That's the word of God. And I command Satan in the name of Jesus Christ to leave my presence. We can declare that truth over our lives because it is true. And every lie that the enemy speaks is a lie because he's the father of lies. So we could declare that, take it to the bank. And so I'm just going to pray to seal this session. Again, I just want to encourage you. Um, this is a tool for us uh, personally, but it is also a tool that we can use um, 
to to set other people free who are in bondage and in captivity. And so let's pray. And um, yeah, join me as I pray. So Father, we just want to thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Your mercies are made new every single morning. We thank you, God. We thank you that you love us so much. You don't want us to stay stuck in our bond, in our bondage and in our brokenness. That Lord, you sent Jesus Christ to set the captives free and uh, to heal the brokenhearted. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for this time. I pray in Jesus' name for every everything that was. Uh, disclosed and renounced would be broken off each and every person on this call right now that every effect of the enemy and of the lies would be nullified and broken down in jesus name right now we just declare freedom over each person right now because where the spirit of the lord is your bible says the bible says there is freedom and so we declare freedom in this place. In Jesus' name, we, we declare freedom for our lives personally, for those who we will be in contact with in our spheres of influence. We declare freedom over our families, Lord. We declare freedom over our generational lines in Jesus' name. And I pray that, again, that hedge of protection would be surrounding each and every person in our homes, our families, in everything we do that you would, you would um, build up that hedge of protection in our lives, Lord God, and restore unto us the joy of thy salvation. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today at The Kingdom Community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. To learn more about The Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better. Did you know Amazon provides ways of working that fit your lifestyle? They know you value your time outside of work, juggling family, school, friends, or other activities. That's why they offer a variety of shifts that work for you. There are full-time, part-time, and even temporary opportunities that can work with your schedule with great starting pay and sign-on bonuses. If you want a career that fits and adapts to your lifestyle, head to amazon.com apply. Amazon is a proud equal opportunity employer. Now through February 2nd, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mother of very fussy triplets and one very colicky husband. Especially you, Supermom. You'll release endorphins and have more energy. Uh, I remember having energy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends February 2nd. See club for details.